Rideshare drivers go on a 24-hour strike, and members of the AFL-CIO participate in a national week of action for the PRO Act. Every day, workers across the globe are rising up to defend their humanity and fight for their dignity on the job. In a time of both record poverty and record profiteering, the billionaire bosses have created the very circumstances for workers to lose their fear and demand everything that they deserve. As the class struggle advances, the stories of workers are front and center here. This is On the Picket Line, and I'm your host, Monica Cruz. Today, protesters plan to call on Senator Mark Warner to sign the PRO Act. Members of the AFL-CIO plan to gather outside its office on West Main Street in downtown Norfolk at 11.30 today. The group says Senator Warner is one of a handful of Democrats who've refused to support the proposal. The Protecting the Right to Organize Act would expand employees' right to organize and collectively bargain in the workplace. You just heard a news report from WAVY-TV in Virginia describe a protest in the state's capital that's part of the AFL-CIO's Week of Action for the PRO Act. On Thursday, July 22nd, the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, or the HELP Committee, will be holding a hearing on the PRO Act, which the House of Representatives passed back in March. The PRO Act is the most sweeping labor reform bill in this nation's history. It would end right-to-work laws, streamline the NLRB process for creating unions, and expand the criteria for what is considered to be an unfair labor practice, among many other things. Last week, Senator Bernie Sanders confirmed that elements of the PRO Act will be included in the Democrats' $3.5 trillion reconciliation bill. Which elements exactly are not yet clear, but we do know that the bill can only deal with budget issues, so there's been some talk of a proposal to create cash penalties for those found to be violating labor law. While Congress moves slowly, as usual, workers across a multitude of industries have sprung into action in support of the PRO Act. The labor movement has reached an unprecedented level of unity in support of the act. The AFL-CIO is in the middle of their National Week of Action for the PRO Act, as I mentioned, with events and rallies from coast to coast advocating for the bill. And today, Wednesday, July 21st, members of the National Nurses United are taking part in a day of action to demand better protections for nurses and patients alike, in addition to speaking out in support of the PRO Act. And also today, the Rideshare Drivers United which is an independent association of U.S. rideshare drivers founded in Los Angeles, is holding a 24-hour strike against Lyft and Uber to draw attention to the negative impact of Prop 22, demand fair wages and treatment, and garner support for the PRO Act. Rideshare drivers in 11 different cities across the country are holding rallies and encouraging riders to boycott these rideshare apps. I spoke with Daniel Russell, a rideshare driver and organizer with Rideshare Drivers United. The PRO Act creates a path for drivers to be able to organize and collectively assemble for their rights. 
um, which includes uh, everything under, you know, from fair pay, um, negotiating our own rates, um, and safety is a big issue too. I was a nighttime driver, and so we need to increase safety standards as well. Uh, driver uh, uh, passed, got got killed last week in San Diego. So, and there've been several attacks over the last few years, and there's always stuff happening. So, um, <clears throat> and that's you know, the Pro Act is just one avenue, but this is a battle that we've been fighting with these companies for several years. We've had victories. We won um, employee rights in the state of California, and then their response was to not follow that law. Um, just absolutely refuse and then write their own law and then spend $200 million to sell a lie. Um, and so that lie went into effect in January. The lie he is referring to is California's Proposition 22 or Prop 22, which changed the employment status of app-based delivery drivers from full-time employees to independent contractors. Gig economy giants like Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash spent a combined $200 million to promote the ballot initiative in order to repeal a state law, ensuring that these companies could no longer skirt labor standards using the independent contractor classification. Now, by misclassifying workers this way, Prop 22 prohibits gig workers from unionizing and allows these companies to deny workers a livable hourly wage and benefits like paid sick leave and health insurance. Daniel Russell spoke about the impact Prop 22 has had on rideshare drivers in California. 22 allowed these companies to continue doing whatever they wanted at will. Um, they can change the terms uh, of your work at will, whatever they want. Um, they can change your rates. And so, yeah, they've decided to make a drastic change where long trips from the airport aren't worth it um, anymore. And so these changes just happen. We have no say. We have no voice. And that's the big deal about the PRO Act is it gives us a voice. It gives us ability, you know, even regardless um, of whether or not you believe we should be employees or independent contractors. And by the way, I believe, absolutely believe we should be employees. There's no way we're independent contractors. We do not negotiate our own rates. We do not make enough. An independent contractor is supposed to be someone that is outside the scope of the main part of your business. Driving around passengers is what these people do, and that's what we do as drivers. I also spoke with Estephanie St. Just, a rideshare driver and organizer with Rideshare Drivers United. She talked about what it was like as a driver before these rideshare apps got as big as they are today and how the organization got started. I started driving in 2015. I was making $1.20 per mile. And then in uh, 2017, they started something called upfront pricing, which means they would charge the customer one thing and they would pay you another. Meanwhile, they are charging the customer one thing that's just based on your work, based on your car, and they are keeping that all to themselves. They might give you a little bit of it as a bonus, but many times the most money is actually going to the company. Then they'll give you a, a lesser percent, let's say, right? Maybe they're taking uh, 40% and you get 60%, right? Well, that 60% you get, they're taking 25, 28, 20%. So even off of that, they're taking something, even off of the percentage that you're getting. So that is when um, Rideshare Drivers United started. 
Estefanie St. Just went on to describe the mission of the RDU and its goal to become a union. We were formed by drivers, for drivers, about drivers' causes. And nobody knows what is going on, what we suffer, what we suffer, the indignities that we have in our business other than a driver or delivery worker. So now we're over 19,000 strong across the state. So um, yeah, we wanna be the union of record for rideshare drivers. We want, we want that because we can speak about our truths, what we go through. We, we need to have what we need as drivers, as workers, reflected in the contract. It means that when you uh, turn on your app and Uber decides to send a contract update, that we don't have to sign it. We don't have to agree with it unless we're reflected in the contract. Rideshare Drivers United organizer and driver Daniel Russell described how everyday people can help support their cause. When you hear about Uber drivers coming together, get out there and support them. Let your drivers know. When you order a ride, let them know. Talk about what you're paying and what they're getting. And if there's a giant discrepancy, post it on social media. Spread the word. Every little bit is how we are going to defeat these companies. Because most people just don't understand. You know, some people still think they're doing a good thing for the environment taking rideshare, you know, and, and it's it's just it's easier to think you're getting a good price on something. And you're doing something good than to actually have to think about what's going on. Have that conversation with your drivers. Post it when there's a discrepancy. Spread the word. Show out and support drivers. When we call for days of action, please stand behind us. And so when we start to do that, these people are really going to have to recognize and pay attention. So, you know, this this let's all come together and make this happen. And turning the page here to Massachusetts, where progressive Democrats are pushing forward a bill that would repeal state law that bans public sector workers from striking. As it stands, the law states that, quote, no public employee or employee organization shall engage in a strike and no public employee or employee organization shall induce, encourage or condone any strike, work stoppage, slowdown or withholding of services by such public employees, end quote. This issue came to a head during the pandemic when teachers across the state refused to go back to work in school buildings deemed unsafe. In the city of Andover, teachers were determined by the Commonwealth Employee Relations Board to have gone on an illegal strike when they refused to enter the school building for professional development training before the start of the 2020 school year. The teachers participated in the training using their laptops outside in the school parking lot. Some say that this situation exemplifies why teachers unions in the state have endorsed the proposed bill called Bill H-1946, which would allow public sector strikes in labor disputes, but would not apply to police, fire protection employees, or jail, prison, and other correctional facility workers. 
To learn more about the bill and its significance for the vast majority of public sector workers in Massachusetts, I spoke with Beth Contos, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, or AFT, Massachusetts. She described the current consequences for public sector workers who dare to go on strike in the state. We can be fined um, astronomical amounts of money. People can even be um, jailed um, for doing so. So we worked with our legislators about introducing this legislation. And really what, it's not so much that we want to go on strike, but when you're negotiating with the boss and they know that you can't go on strike, you lose so much of your leverage in negotiations, right? Um, So this would be a way to give back the teeth to the union and to the individual worker to say that I have the right to withhold my labor um, if if we don't come to a fair conclusion uh, in our negotiations. And obviously we want a fair conclusion. People deserve to be paid well, they deserve to be paid fairly and compensated for the extra hours they might work in a position. Um, they deserve to have benefits and um, that's, that's worth walking out or at least using the threat of walking out um, to get what we need. She went on to talk about why strikes are a necessity in guaranteeing worker power in education. So those are the things that it's just not fair and it takes away the teeth from our bargaining um, if, if those kinds of threats stay in place for our um, staff, right? And for the local union. Mm-hmm. And strikes demonstrate worker power, right? We saw that. Um, I have a couple of, in, in my background on my wall, I have like the West Virginia strike and, um, you know, posters and those Really, though the voices of those educators, it was so um, empowering to hear them because they were saying that they really cared about the type of education that their students were going to receive. You just heard Beth Contos, president of the AFT Massachusetts. She described the unique challenges that education workers face in organizing unions. And um, so there's many people that come to us and say, you know, we want to join the union. And um, it's the, the Labor Relations Board has, has not been helpful in that. And we're hoping that the PRO Act is going to change that where everybody has the right to organize and, um, and have a, a good contract and a, and a union to protect it. So, so that's one way I would like to see an expansion of um, union rights into our private universities. We do, we do currently have private universities that are members, but they were already members. Um, so it's, it's really difficult for, for new people to come to us. We want to change that. And when you think of all the charter school educators that would like to be members of a union, um, it's very difficult because the management sees them having these conversations with their coworkers and um, doesn't hire them for the next year or fires them partway through the first year because the profit margin, what they want to do is, is to, to 
to have profit come out of charter schools. And if you have people that have a, a decent union with, with decent benefits and retirement benefits, it cuts into their profit margin. But it also creates churn because they overwork the younger teachers that they have. Um, they want them young. They don't want to pay them much. That, that minimizes experience in our schools. And then, um, you know, really they want to just burn them out and get another young person in a couple of years. And if you have a, a, a union contract, then um, people's wages will increase. And that's not in the interest of the people who want to look at our schools as a place of profit, more like a frat factory rather than a place of, of learning. So we're hoping to combat all that with the PRO Act. And that's it for this week's episode of On the Picket Line. Make sure to follow Breakthrough News at BT Newsroom on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us by searching Breakthrough News anywhere else.